0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. Those of you who have joined us here in the room, uh, glad to have you here. Those of you who have joined us online, welcome to this, this morning's worship, this Palm Sunday. And uh, wow, Easter is just one week away. It's hard to believe. Time is flying. So we'd like to begin our services with this greeting that Christians have been using for a, a long, long time. Uh, yeah, there it is. The Lord be with you. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for your grace that you have shown to each and every one of us. Thank you, God, that you've invited us here today only by your grace. There's not a single one of us here uh, who have earned our seat at your table, who have earned our, our position in your family as your kids. It's only because out of love for us, you have reached out to us and drawn us to yourself. And now, God, you are with us every moment of every day, whether times are good and we walk into times like this just full of thanks and praise, or whether we walk into today uh, with all kinds of hurts and needs and we're crying out for your help. God, that song reminds us that your grace is enough for us, that your love and your power gives us the strength to endure whatever circumstance we may need to go through. God, uh, here as we are on the on the cusp of, uh, of Easter and that grand celebration of Uh, Lord Jesus, your willingness to go to the cross for us, to suffer and to die for us, to to set us free for our salvation. God, we're reminded of last week's message and Pastor Judy talking to us about uh, Jesus' invitation to to follow him, to, to pick up our cross and to be willing to suffer for the sake of others, for the sake of the world. So God, we know that as we go through this life, there are going to be times where you don't take the pain away, where you don't uh, change our circumstances, where what you do is give us your grace and your strength to endure whatever suffering we may need to go through. Because, God, we are trusting in your love. We are trusting in your goodness. We are trusting that you know best uh, what is best for us and for the world. And so, God, we can move through life confident in your love, uh, empowered by your Holy Spirit, strengthened by your grace, trusting that it is true when we read in the Bible that in all things you are working for the good of those who love you or called according to your purpose. God, we know that you are working good in our lives and through us uh, for the lives of others. So do you help us to continue to trust you when we face all the various difficulties that we face, when we, when we hit, hit a, a wall of anxiety uh, about our circumstances or the, the, the condition of the world, when we bump into fears, when we bump into, into pain, into grief, into, into confusion, into whatever it might be, God, that, that we run into that, that feels like a, a massive roadblock, you know, we were, we were doing well, we were walking, we were, we were strong, and then all of a sudden, boom, it hits us, God, in those moments, would you help us to, to reach out to you, to cry out to you for love, for help, for strength, for grace, for comfort, for peace. God, we trust you that you do, in fact, give us everything we need each and every day by your Holy Spirit that's at work within us. We celebrate each and every Sunday your victory over sin and death and the devil in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. Help us to live victoriously. Help us to live in that victory. Help us to live as your confident children, confident in your love and in your grace. Thank you, God. Help us to experience this today as we open our hearts, our minds, our lives up to you to experience your grace and your love for each one of us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, The peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you, and with all of you who are with us online, if, if you're here in the room, go ahead, take a look around real quick, see some faces that you might not have seen in a while, or at least the top halves of faces, and uh, you know, give them a wave, give them something. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day we can go back to like walking around and giving each other handshakes and hugs and all of that. We're not there yet. Uh, as more and more of us get vaccinated, as, more, as we continue to move through that whole process, uh, we're getting closer to that day. But, uh, and then you can have a seat whenever you're ready. And I don't know, uh, can I go ahead and say? Okay, all right. Uh, Amanda's been telling more and more people, I think. I don't know. But Amanda's got, got plans to leave us uh, this summer. She's moving to a different place where it'd be uh, uh, cost prohibitive for her to come back regularly and uh, worship with us and, uh, and lead us musically. So uh, we are super grateful for, man, how many years has it been? Do you remember what, how old you were when you first were getting up here with a microphone? You were little. freshman in high school. Were you a freshman in high school when you first got up here and sang? I was thinking middle school, but okay, all right. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, so Amanda's guessing 10 years or so that she's been uh, not just a part of the church but up here helping to lead us uh, on Sunday morning. So can we just give Amanda some thanks this morning for for 10 years of uh, of leading us? Yeah, and she's not leaving today or anything. I mean, she's... she's... You know, got the school year to finish out with students and the things like that. But sometime this summer, she's making that move. So, uh, thank you so much, and uh, we'll we'll continue, of course, to be praying for you as you uh, go through all these different transitions. But um, hey, just by way of announcements, real quick, um, uh, we'd love to connect with you and to let uh, to know how we can pray for you or celebrate with you. And so, if you uh, if you're here in the room, you can grab one of those little green cards, or if you're watching online, you can just go to LivingHope.info/connect and uh, fill out that little digital connect card. Um, let us know you're with us. Share with us, uh, you know, if you're planning to, to show up next week for Easter or something, you know, or if there's some way that we can pray for you, please let us know. We would love to be praying for you. And, uh, and thank you to all of you who've been giving uh, so consistently uh, through this whole ordeal. Um, if you're online, of course, you can go to livinghope.info slash give or go to the website, click the little give link or whatever. Um, if you're here in the room, you can drop that little green card in the offering box back there and any offering that you want to give, you can drop in there as well. And uh, <clears throat> thank you for being such a generous church. Um, This next month um, is uh, our annual district assembly where a bunch of churches of the Nazarene from northwest Indiana all get together and pastors have to write reports and turn all that stuff in and all that kind of thing. And it's such a thrill to be able to say, you know, what a great church I get to pastor and that you guys are so generous in in so many ways. Uh, The money that you guys gave to to Habitat, to our sister church in Hammond, uh, that that you— all the bras that you've donated, you know, all the different ways that you guys have been generous toward the needs of others. And you guys have given, uh, dramatically to like the acts 4 fund to help people in our church in need and to the good neighbor fund to help people out in the community in need. Uh, you guys are a generous bunch and it's, it's fun to be your pastor. Um, and to get to brag on you to other people and how amazing you are. Um, so thank you for giving. Uh, next week is Easter Sunday, and so we're going to have two services next Sunday. We'll have this nine o'clock service, and we'll have a ten thirty service because we're anticipating there'll be a few more folks that are going to be with us next week that aren't always with us on a Sunday morning. So uh, feel free to show up like you have today at nine, or uh, or show up at ten thirty, and uh, we should have plenty of room for everybody. I'm not I'm not guessing we're going to double the number of people that are here next week, although. I guess anything's possible. Um, uh, I know there are several folks who are watching online who are eager to come back and, uh, and have kind of pegged Easter as a Sunday that they are hoping to be back. And so anyway, next week, just wanted to make sure you knew that, that there will be two services next Sunday. So if, uh, if any of you, especially any of you who are watching, all the folks here in the room, you're all able to get up and be here at nine if you have to be. Uh, but some of you I know, you're watching this right now at 1030 or you're watching this later in the day or in the week. And uh, if you want to be with us at 1030 and nine is just not an option for you, it could be work schedule, you know, who knows. Some people just aren't morning people, um, and that's fine. That's not a problem at all. So next Sunday, nine o'clock and ten thirty, and right in between, we're gonna have a little Easter egg hunt for uh, for the kiddos at ten ten. So. Um Yeah, if you've got elementary age kids or younger, uh, they're gonna gonna have a little Easter egg hunt. And then there's a a Global 6K that's taking place in May that uh, this last week was World Water Day, and uh, we wanted to make sure you guys were aware of the opportunity to participate. If you go to valpo6k.com, for the next two weeks, there's this promo code, Clean Water, that you can use. If you go to valpo6k.com, you'll see it there. but you can use that and another donor has paid $15, the first $15 of your registration. And so uh, normally it's $50 for an adult to participate uh, because that's how much it costs to bring clean water to a child in another part of the world, lasting access to clean water to that community. Um, Or for people 18 and younger, it's uh, $25. So although now, with that $15, it's only like $10 for people 18 and younger. So now is the time, especially if you've got a family, a whole family that you want to participate or something like that. Now is the time to, to get signed up. Again, just go to valpo6k.com, hit the join our team button, and, uh, and you can sign up there. Um, and actually, at the end of this service, there's a little video, a little video from uh, World Vision uh, about that. Um, uh, just yesterday, I was listening to, uh, to a podcast, uh, uh, world Vision does a little podcast uh, that uh, talks about the work that they do and all that. And they were talking to their VP of water around the world or something like that. And he was reminding me, I'd heard the statistic before, but I'd forgotten. Every 10 seconds, uh, World Vision is bringing clean water to another person. I mean, that's, that's how many people around the world they are working with. And, uh, and their plan to go forward, they're going to finish the work in some of the countries that they're in, in the next few years. Uh, they were talking about Rwanda, and I think after that it was Zambia, that well, they're in communities all over the place. They're going to actually have lasting access to clean water brought to everybody, every community that they're, that they're in, in those countries. And, um, and their plan, like going forward, it's going to cost like a billion dollars to do that. But they were saying like how much they rely on us giving and us participating in things like the 6K or those who run marathons and do all that kind of stuff for World Vision. Um, they said, because we give, that money that comes in from World Vision, they can, uh, that then opens up opportunities for other grants and other things because they've already got our dollars coming in. And they said that every dollar that we give ends up getting multiplied like five times and, and makes a huge impact around the world. So it might not seem like much, $10 to sign your kid up to walk in the 6K uh, this year or uh, $35 for you or for me, um, but man, that makes a life-changing difference in the life of some child, in the life of some community. So if there's any way that you can participate in that, uh, I strongly encourage you to do so. And uh, we've, we've had people uh, popping in all week long. Ever since this last Monday with World Water Day and promoting it online and stuff, uh, we've had people join the team all along the way. And I look forward to seeing some of your names pop into in my email saying, hey, you've got a new person on the team. And, uh, and I, I celebrate, do a little dance inside every time I, I get one of those. So all right, so um, so this morning, uh, it is Palm Sunday, uh, but strangely, the, the scripture that we have that we're given to look at that uh, in our little um, sacred invitation devotional books, uh, is not the story of Jesus entering into Jerusalem and waving the palm branches and all that. Uh, this year we weren't able to have the kids walk through and wave palm branches and everything, but, uh, but my mom, who's back there with the kids right now um, she bought extras so that you guys could have some if you wanted them. And I saw a couple of you waving them as we were singing. Uh, if you want to take them with you, feel free. If you want to leave them on the table, whatever. Uh, but uh, these are just this reminder of that day when Jesus rides into Jerusalem. We call it the triumphal entry uh, because he enters in and is, and is acknowledged as king by the people. The crowds are shouting, Hosanna, which is this uh, acclamation of praise. It means save us. Uh, but it was generally, it had become this, this, just this thing that you would shout to <laughs> like to the leaders saying, like Hosanna, you are, you are amazing. You're blessed as the one who comes in the name of the Lord, blessed as the son of David. They were recognizing Jesus as the Messiah, as the king, as the one they'd been waiting for, who was coming to save, coming to rescue them, coming to make things new and to fulfill the promises that had been made to them through the prophets long ago. Um, and so here we've got Jesus riding in and everybody acclaiming him as, as the king. And then he just does something I don't think any of them probably expected. Uh, have you ever had somebody do that? Like, walk in and do something totally unexpected in your life? Or kind of disrupt your plans? Uh, that's what Jesus does in our story today. He, he completely uh, surprises people, disrupts everything they had planned to go. I, I don't know how I picked this up, but it must just be the way I'm wired. We were just talking about this, this last week, I think, with my mom. Um, My boys, uh, you know, are five years old now, and they're good fit throwers. You know, if they don't get their way, and they really want something, and you have to tell them no, they can throw a nice, solid fit. And I was talking to my mom about how I was as a kid, and I don't know how much of a fit thrower I was, but I definitely would get frustrated and disappointed if, like, plans changed. You know, so, like, we'd be heading to school, and that night we had plans to do whatever. I uh, know one of the things I remember we'd go to showbiz pizza place sometimes as a kid and uh, you know They had all the the animatronic uh, animals up front the little band and all that kind of stuff and they had pizza And they had arcades and ball and all that stuff And so uh, every now and then we would get to go there and every now and then you know I'd get dropped off at school and we'd be talking about on the way to school like yeah I'm going to going to showbiz tonight and I'm like oh yeah, okay And every now and then I would get picked up from school and my mom would have to break the news like oh, you know what? I'm sorry something came up. We're not able to go tonight and man, I was not happy when that took place. You know, anytime I had that kind of a change of plans, and, and she was just telling me, it could even be like something better, like, you know what, we're not going to be able to do that, so we're going to go do this other thing that, that I loved, and that it was going to be good, but it was a disruption, and the whole day, I thought I was going one direction, and now all of a sudden, I'm going to go somewhere else, and that just threw me. Um, I th- think I'm better about that now? Uh, You'd have to ask Stacy to know for sure, but I'm pretty sure I'm more flexible these days than I, when I was as a child. Uh, But that always gets us, doesn't it? When someone else steps in and like, your day is going to go one way and then something happens, it's an interruption, it's not what you expected, and oh man, instead of getting to have that, that leisurely lunch or that leisurely coffee, now I've got to deal with this other thing, and now I'm going to have to be at work late, and now I'm going to have to, whatever it is, you know, I guess I'm not going to get to go do that thing I enjoyed tonight or whatever it was. Uh, and, and we've all been living through this giant disruption for the past year. I'm looking out at all of you wearing your masks and like, yep, none of us planned for this, you know. This was a huge disruption and it throws us. This is what Jesus does in today's story. He disrupts. He, he overturns. He, uh, he comes in and and instead of, I'm guessing that a whole lot of them thought, okay, yay, it's the Messiah, it's Jesus, this prophet from Nazareth, they said. He's come in, and he's done all these amazing things, and now we've been waiting for the Messiah to come in. He's coming into our capital city of Jerusalem. He's going to march right up to the, the you know, gates of the Roman palace, and he's going to knock those doors down, and the power of God is just going to be amazing, and, and the Rome, Rome is going to be on the run, and we're going to be, woo, we're gonna be free, free at last, and it's going to be a celebration. I'm guessing they were expecting something like that. But instead of going down the road to the palace, Jesus goes down the road to the temple. And there might have been some of them saying, oh, okay, yeah, he's stopping at the temple first. Okay, he's going he's to offer a sacrifice, and we're all going to have a big celebration. We're going to thank God that he's at work. And then he's going go right to go the, to the, right up to those Romans, and he's going to just kick them out. He's going to just, you know, snap his fingers, and they're going to poof or whatever. You know, he's, he's going to get rid of these, these Roman oppressors once and for all. And instead, here's what we read in Matthew chapter 21. I think we've got the words up on the screens for you. Uh, starting in verse 12, it says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. Now, we know from other settings, Bethany's like this two-hour walk from Jerusalem. It's where his friends Mary, Martha, Lazarus lived. And Jesus just has done, like, I'm guessing, nothing that they expected. You know, he, he, he goes to the temple, and instead of, like, just having this party and this celebration, he drives some people out, but it's not Romans. It's his fellow Jews. It's people who are there in the temple courts doing the business of temple stuff, right? I mean, this is near the, the Passover, and there are all kinds of, of devout Jews tr- coming to Jerusalem from all over the world. I mean, still today, uh, Passover is like right now. Uh, it's, we're kind of getting into that season, I think. Is that right? Boy, I don't. Yesterday, right? Okay. All right. I was like, that's what I thought. Thank you, Pastor Judy, for making sure I got that straight. Okay. There are right now, you know, devout Jews from all over the world that are either going to Jerusalem. Ooh, I don't know about travel restrictions. Anyway, every year, this is a normal thing. All right. And it was back then as well. Uh, because Jews had been scattered, they were all over the Roman world and beyond, and they would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. And when they would come, they would you know, need to go to the temple and offer sacrifices, and many times they were unable to like, haul a sacrificial animal all the way from wherever they were from. And, uh, and so the, the scriptures and the law that they'd been given by Moses, it made provision for that. It said you can come and you can buy an animal when you arrive and offer that. And for those who were too poor to offer like a lamb or something like that, they could offer doves. And in this story, they specifically mention that. Now in some of the other gospels, Mark, Luke, John, they talk about some of the other animals that that he drove out and he, he makes a, a whip out of cords and he's driving the animals out of there. This one just talks about he, him... Uh, turning over the tables of the money changers, the benches of those selling doves. doesn't go into any more detail than that. We don't you see Jesus like, uh, you know, kind of foaming at the mouth angry or, you know, cracking a whip at people or anything like that. Matthew just says he flips some tables, which I guess would be dramatic enough, wouldn't it? Flips some tables and, uh, and says to them, look, my house will be called a house of prayer. This is written. This is in the prophets. He quotes Isaiah. Um, <laughs> my house will be called a house of prayer. And then he quotes Jeremiah and says, but you're making it a den of robbers. He, he comes and drives out his fellow Jews who are just, I mean, they're just there doing the work, right? They're helping the people who are traveling there to buy their, their animals. He's helping them, they're, they're helping them to exchange their foreign currency for like the temple currency, which is what you're supposed to do to, to make an offering there at the temple. Um, you change your currency and then you could put that uh, temple money in the temple fund. Um, but Jesus disrupts all of that. I'm guessing there were some people that were like, in line, you know, and it had been in line for like an hour, and they're waiting, and they're finally getting close, like, oh, finally, oh, we're finally going to be able to get, buy the doves and make the offering and, or change the money or whatever, and then here comes Jesus, and like, oh, cool, and we get to see Jesus, and what is he doing? Oh, man, and now, you know, how long is it going to take for them to reset all these tables, and am I ever going to get to buy those doves, and what am I supposed to do now? You know, their, their whole trip had just been disrupted. Their whole, they're at the holy site, they're at the temple in Jerusalem, and it is just all kind of blown up in their faces. But then it says the blind and the lame came to him, and he healed them. Kids are still shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. The religious leaders obviously aren't happy, um, but Jesus doesn't seem bothered in the slightest. And then instead of leaving the temple and charging on to Rome to drive the Romans out, he just leaves and goes to his friend's house in Bethany to stay the night. What an odd thing for the Messiah to do. What an odd thing for Jesus to do, for God to do here in this moment where it's all finally coming to a head. And instead of focusing his energies on pushing the outsiders away, he focuses his energies on the people of God and what they're doing. And are they reflecting him well to the world or not? Are they still connected to the heart of God for the blind and the lame, for the people from other countries who are gathered together to worship at the temple, to try to worship at the temple. Uh, You might not be familiar with how the temple is laid out. I should have grabbed a little map and and shown it to you. But it is basically, you know, you've got the, the temple building itself. It'd be kind of like, you know, here we are in the sanctuary here at the church, right? We're in this room. And then on the other side of those doors, there's other rooms, right? And so that's like the foyer and the other court. And so in the temple, you'd have like the temple area itself where people would come in and they'd make their sacrifice and all that. And then there was like a, a, a separate area inside behind thick curtains where God was, uh, was said to dwell, where his throne was. Um, and, uh, and then all the worshipers are kind of outside of that and they make their offerings and they sing their songs and they hear the scriptures. And then there are the courts outside of that where people can... Uh, can still hear, you know. It's not as separated as there's not like a firewall in between them, like we have to have here for for fire code. But um, people could still hear out in the courtyards. And so when the songs are being sung and the scriptures are being read, there are people out in the courtyards hearing and celebrating. There was a court that had separate courts for men and for women, and then a large court for the Gentiles, for the nations, where. The expectation was that one day God would be recognized as God of all the world, that all these nations who worship other gods would one day recognize that, no, the God of Israel, he is the true God. He's the one who made us. He's the one who loves us. He's the one that we should be worshiping and giving our lives to, and the nations are going to come and fill that courtyard and worship the God of Israel. But right now, when Jesus shows up, that courtyard is pretty noisy because there's animals and there's business going on. There's money being changed. There are doves and doing what doves do and doing what animals do. It probably doesn't smell the best. You know, we try to make sure that things smell okay in here. You know, we don't just try to make sure things are comfortable. You know, they're comfortable in, for all the senses, right, as we gather to worship. Uh, they weren't being considerate of those who are gathered, especially from those other nations. Let, let me read to you what, uh, where he's getting this from about the house of prayer. And, and I think it's Mark's gospel where he actually quotes the whole thing. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's coming from Isaiah chapter 56, uh, starting at the beginning of that chapter. Uh, This is what the Lord says. He's speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the people long ago. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps their hands from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. Which is a funny thing to read about in scripture right there, isn't it? Anyway, funny euphemism. For this is what the Lord says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants. All who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. God, through the prophet Isaiah, was speaking to his people long before Jesus and saying, look, guys, the time is coming. The, the foreigners and the eunuchs and those people who'd, who find themselves excluded from so many things, these people who are pushed to the margins, they, they will be welcomed. I'm expecting, I am welcoming them. God is saying, I'm reaching out to them. And those who don't have their descendants to carry on their name, he said, I'm going to give you a name in my temple, you, you are one, you, you belong here, to the foreigners, those outsiders, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, those people who are kind of outside of the faith, that the Jews said they had very clear lines, here's us and here's not us, here's us, we worship God, we follow the laws, there's all those other people, there's the insiders and the outsiders, and we still feel some of that today, don't we? We're, sometimes we can we can build some pretty strong walls between those of us who are here on the inside and those those foreigners out there on the outside, or or those those non-Christians out there on the outside, those people that like well you know they're dirty rotten sinners and we're all kind of nice good people in here, right? And they're the ones who are destroying this country or a community or whatever, and we all are you know we're we're doing just fine. And God is saying, look, there are people out there that I'm I'm bringing in. You know, that they, they want to come in. Their, their sacrifices will be accepted, you know. I want to bring them joy. I'm wanting to bring them to my holy mountain. I'm wanting to bring them into a relationship with me. My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And Jesus shows up at the temple, and that's not what he finds. He finds a bunch of people having an, a nice little happy holy huddle and, and not caring if anybody else is welcome or shows up or can find a way in. And I'm guessing there were people that non-Jews who had made the trip to Jerusalem and were there eager to worship and they'd been stopped at like oh you got to stay out here in the in the court of the nations you know and like oh okay yeah we'll be out here we could could still sing and and, okay yeah we can join in but then there's the animals and then there's the business and then it's crowded and then they weren't being considerate of them at all it's like they'd forgotten that their mission of the world didn't stop with them that God's redemptive mission was to include the whole world that he wanted everyone to experience his love and his grace. That he wanted everyone to understand who they are, that they're loved by God. All these folks that, that currently, um, in those days and still today, are worshiping other gods that can be capricious, that uh, you know their lives are fixated on things and centered around things that don't care about them, whether it's an actual god that they pray to or whether it's just they center their lives around their work, which obviously can go away, or around their money, which again can, can be fleeting, or around whatever it might be, they center their lives around that does not fulfill and does not help them to experience what it is to be human. What it is to, uh, to live life, the life God created us to live. And God doesn't want them to just be stuck there. He wants them to experience his grace and his love. To know themselves as, as people made by God who loves them. Who is consistent in his love. Who, who cares about them. Who is with them. God wants them to experience that same thing that so many of us here in this room and watching online have already experienced. And the people of Jesus' day had kind of lost track of that somehow. They had thought, no, no, this is just for us. And those people out there are a threat. They're a danger. We don't really care if they show up here or not. Their lives were not focused on being a part of God's grand redemptive work in the world. Their lives were just kind of focused on themselves. And Jesus reminds them, no, this is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. But you're making it, he says, a den of robbers. Now, I didn't in, unless I, before I looked up Jeremiah 7, I was kind of thought, den of robbers, oh they must be like cheating the people who are coming to change the money. They're like, like, oh yeah, that's the exchange rate, sure, sure, you know, and like pocketing a little extra for themselves, or they're selling the doves at a very high markup or something, and they might still have been doing that, and the doves again were for people who were too poor to afford like a sheep or something like that. They may have been taking advantage of the poor. It may have been uh, a racket that they had going there. I mean, if you had to, you had, they kind of controlled the temple money. If you wanted to make an offering, you had to make it in the temple money. So they could have put the exchange rate wherever they wanted. They could have sold those doves for a whole lot more than you could, you know, buy a dove on the street or whatever. Street doves? I don't, I don't know what I'm thinking about here. Okay, anyway. It might be that they were robbing people kind of literally like that. But that phrase comes from the prophet Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 7. Let me read to you what, what Jeremiah said. Um, in Jeremiah chapter 7, starting with verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house, the temple, and there proclaim this message. So you got Jeremiah at the gate of the temple. People coming in. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. I'm going to pause for just a second and tell you. They were under threat at this time. Foreign uh, actors were were coming in and and threatening that, you know, they were about to be taken into exile by Babylon. They were about to be defeated as a nation. But there were some who were saying, no, no, we've got the Lord's temple here, the temple of the Lord. If God lives in this place, there's no way anybody could defeat us. We're safe. There's there's nothing that they could do to, to hurt us. We're safe. They can't get us. The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. The Lord is here. He says, if you really change your ways and your actions... And deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. That's what Jeremiah is saying about, what God is saying through Jeremiah about these other prophets who are saying, no, no, we got nothing to worry about. God's going to keep us safe. His temple is here. He says, these are deceptive words. Those are worthless. So here's God again. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name and say, we are safe? safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Whew, man. He's saying, look, I see what's going on. I see that you are, you are thinking that you can do whatever you want, but as long as you've got the temple, you're okay. You can do whatever you want. You can treat people unjustly. You can oppress the poor and the widow, the foreigners. All these. You can shed innocent blood. Even. You can do all these horrific things. But, you know, you show up at the temple for worship. You you, you tune in to the church service. Or you show up in the room. You give your money in the box. You do whatever. You know. You do the religious duties, and you're just fine. We're safe. We're good. I'm a Christian, right? I've I've checked the boxes. I'm okay. God is saying to his people then, and I think saying to us today, and saying through Jesus to the people of his day, like, look, do you think this is like a, a den of robbers? Do you think this is like a hideout for, for wickedness? Like, oh, I'm just going to kind of run here and I'll be safe, you know, ollie ollie oxen free, you know, uh, you can't get me, I'm, I'm here, I'm safe in the temple, in God's house, I'm, my life doesn't look at all like what God wants it to I'm not reflecting God's grace or love or anything to the people around me. In fact, I'm reflecting some, something very different, something very ugly in the way that I treat my neighbors. I'm not loving God with my whole heart. I'm not loving my neighbors as myself. I'm just doing whatever I want to do. But then I do my religious stuff. And he says, no, what, do you think the temple is a, is a hideout for, for the wicked? No. And that's why I love that what, what Jesus said, what, what happens right after Jesus says this. Uh, to go back, I think I've got this on the screen, where he says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you're making a den of robbers. And then the very next thing Matthew says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. He says, this is not, uh, this is not a hideout for sinners. This, this is a, a hospital, right? God wants his house to be a, a hospital. It's a house of prayer. It's where people can connect with God. It's where they can find healing and forgiveness and grace and, and wholeness. It's where people, no matter who you are or where you've been, no, no matter if you're a foreigner or a eunuch, no matter if you're a dirty, rotten sinner, like all of us start out as, right? It doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. If you don't just come here to hide, I mean, the hypocrisy thing, Jesus is like not going for that at all, right? He's Like I'm not standing for hypocrites, uh, for people who say, no, no, me and God are good while they treat their neighbor like crap. He says, I'm not doing that. He says, no, this, you want to come to me? <laughs> you want to know what God is like? This is not a, a hideout. This is, this is a hospital. This is where we can be changed, where we can be healed, where we can be transformed into people who, of love and grace, and goodness for the world. Jesus disrupts their plans, d- doesn't do at all what they expected. You know, and, I, and as the week continues, and as we move into... Holy Week. We don't have any special services here this week. Uh, we're not gathering together for Good Friday, uh, the day of Christ's crucifixion. We won't gather again until Easter Sunday. Uh, if you want to take time out for that, there are hundreds of churches doing amazing little things. You can tune in on video and, uh, and, and remember Christ's death on Good Friday if you'd like. Um, you know, I'll be doing that. I'll be pausing on Friday around noon, the time that Jesus died, uh, to remember his death. But then we'll gather together again next Sunday on Easter Uh, This, again, a great disruption. Not at all what they had thought was going to happen to their Messiah. That by the end of the week, he would not be pushing the Romans out, but would be laying his life down, sacrificing himself, um, and at the same time proclaiming forgiveness to those who are killing him. It's like Jesus decides. he, He disrupts all of our expectations. Even our desire to, like, protect ourselves against pain or against suffering. Jesus says, no, no, I'm willing to suffer for your good, even for the good of those people who are, who are taking my life. He calls us to a similar kind of, of life, a life of love, a life that gives grace to people who desperately need grace, just like grace has been given to us, just like love has been shown to us. And so I wonder for us today, And the the devotional guide just asked a great question. What might Jesus need to undo in our lives as individuals and as the body of Christ in order to bring about healing, in order to help us get back to the heart of God for for us, for his church, for his people? Are there things that that Jesus might need to step in and say, oh, no, 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 nope, I'm not going for that. Are there tables in our lives he might want to flip over? And, And if there are, Let me tell you, I would much rather, like, fix that ahead of time, before he comes in and flips the table, right? Before Jesus has to come in and, like, hit me with a two-by-four to get me back, you know, to paying attention and to do what I'm supposed to do, I'd much rather now say, Okay, Jesus, please point out anything in my life that needs to change. Would you help me to know, have I been doing things to exclude others? Have I been doing things where my life is oriented around me and what I want and not around what you want and your love for the people around me? Have I lost track of your heart for the world, for, for people in need, who really need to know your love. Um, today is an opportunity. Uh, Jesus has come and he has shown us who he is. He has shown us the kind of Messiah that he is going to be. And he doesn't, he doesn't start by focusing on those bad people out there and what they need to change, what they need to do. He starts by focusing on us, his own people, and saying, okay, folks, if you want to be one of mine, if you want to be tuned in with what God is doing in the world, some things have got to change. What might he need to change in my life? That's what I want us to be asking today as we pray and prepare our hearts for communion. Let's, let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for not just leaving us to, to live a life that well, can contain a whole lot of ugliness, can bring a whole lot of grief to the people around us, God, you know how easy it is for us to, to get off track, how easy it is for us to, to, to miss to miss the plot, to miss what you are wanting to do in our lives and through our lives for others. God, you know how easy it is for us to start to center things on our own wants, our own preferences, what makes it easier for us. God, there's not a single one of us in this room who, would, who just gladly chooses suffering. God, we shy away from sacrifice. We shy away from Lives where we pour ourselves out for others. But that's the life that you call us to. If we are going to follow you, Lord Jesus, then we've got to be willing to to live a life of love. We've got to be willing to, to take a hard look at our lives with your help and confess to you that there are some areas in our lives that do not line up with the life that you want us to live. We don't want to wait until you have to come in and flip tables. Jesus, we want, we want to cooperate with you from the start, right now. So please, would you show us? Would you point to any attitude or any behavior, any way that we have organized our lives as individuals or as a church, as your people, anything that we are doing, God, that doesn't line up with you and what you want to do in the world. If there are ways that we are... Uh, not caring about our neighbors, if there are ways that we are pushing people out, if there are ways that we are just huddling together and and just doing what's good for us and not remembering those in need around us. God, if there's anything like that in our lives, would you please help us to see it? Would you point to it? Would you highlight it for us right now? And would you help us not to shy away from that? But would you help us to listen? you help us to agree with you and what you say to us would you help us be willing to confess our weakness how prone we are to, to wander from your plan from your mission would you forgive us God and by your Holy Spirit at work within us would you help us to to once again uh, cooperate with you to let you Lord Jesus be the kind of king that you want to be not who we want you to be. Thank you for being willing to, to challenge us in these ways, Lord Jesus. Again, thank you for not just leaving us to live a life that is disappointing or that frustrates your plans where we find ourselves at cross purposes uh, with you. We, that's not what we want, God. We want to be a part of the good work that you are doing in the world. We want to share in your joy as we see you transforming people's lives, as we see people uh, coming Come, the, the light's coming on for people, uh, as we see people stepping into the light and out of the darkness, as we see people having hope once again. God, we want to share in your joy. We want to share in the, that celebration with folks. So would you help us, God? Would you help us to tune our hearts to yours? Would you help us to say yes to you? Uh, in just a moment, we're going to sing and we're going to celebrate communion together. And God, today we Thank you for the opportunity to celebrate the sacrament that reminds us of your great love. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We offer you ourselves, God. We come to you today, confessing our sins, the ways that we have not loved you with our whole heart, the ways that we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves, the things we've done that we should not have done, the things that we should have done, that we've left undone. God, we come to you today confessing our our sin, our need of your forgiveness, our need of your grace and thanking you for being compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Thank you God for defeating sin and death and the devil in the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Thank you that today, by your Holy Spirit's work in our lives, we can be transformed. We can live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and your feet, as your people, reflecting your heart and your love and your grace. Thank you, God. For all these things, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Uh, those of us in the room, we've got the little, uh, little cups on our tables or in our seats with the, that we'll be peeling back and doing the bread and the juice in just a moment after we sing. Uh, those of you who are with us online, uh, if you want to gather bread and juice together, now's a good time. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion together in just a moment. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, gave it to his disciples, and broke it, gave thanks for it. So this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and he after supper he took the cup gave thanks gave it to his disciples and said drink this this is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins says this seals the new agreement the new covenant between god and humanity when you drink this do it in remembrance of me let's take and drink We do remember, Lord Jesus, the great price that you paid to set us free, to win the victory for us so that we don't have to live as, uh, I don't know, as captives to sin. But You have set us free to live in this, this glorious light that you give us as your children. Help us today to experience your love and grace and to be so transformed by it that we can be a people who give love and grace to others, who follow in your footsteps, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your transforming love. You are worthy of our love. You have first loved us. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, before I leave you with a quick blessing, uh, two things. One, I forgot to mention earlier, there are some little crosses out here. I had somebody just send me a picture today saying, oh, it looks good. These are Some little crosses you can put in your yard. And this week, what they ask is that you put the white side facing out. It comes with little stakes and everything. And uh, you can have the white side facing out. And then on Easter Sunday, next Sunday, you can flip that thing around. It says, he has risen on it. And that's just a testimony to your neighbors and to anybody who might drive by. They're like, hey, you know might spark them thinking about Jesus. might just let them know that you're a safe person to talk to about Jesus' stuff. It might make them think you're a Jesus freak. Who knows? But anyway, hopefully you're living your life with your neighbors in such a way that they, they're like, oh, that's right, you're a Christian, aren't you? I've had a question. I've been meaning to ask. Uh, so feel free to take one of those. Uh, those were a gift to us from another church in town. And, uh, and I wanted to remind you again of the 6K. There's a video that's going to play in just a minute. Uh, but first, before that, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen really thought about how you can't wash your hands without clean water. You can't have operational medical facilities. You can't defend yourself against diseases like COVID-19 without clean water. It helps make our faith tangible.